Good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. What's going on, Levin? Oh, I am fan freaking tastic. <laughs> well, I don't know that your mood's about to improve much by the end of this pod, but we'll give it a shot. Before we get started, we want to remind you if you haven't done it already, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always tell you. If you take the time to leave us a rating and a review, good, bad, or ugly, we will read it on the show. So that brings us to this from CC Architect. Subject speaks to the real 49ers fan in all of us. Love all the shows they put out. They speak the truth and no fanboy sugarcoating, which is sometimes what every true fan needs to hear. I can't listen to national coverage after listening to Rob and Friends, which I think is really the unofficial name of the podcast network, Rob and Friends. (laughs) I'll, uh, I guess I'll give that to you. I don't know what to say to that. All right. How about this one? This comes from Isha719. And the subject is, I had to use my wife's phone to do this, which, by the way, I totally support. I don't care whose phone you have to use. Just make sure you get that rating and review in there. Five-star rating, just like the previous one. Rob and Levin asked me to leave a review after this last game. They said they would read it. This is Chris Maldonado. First, Levin needs his flowers. He isn't a human wet blanket. He is the truth, which is totally just completely false, Chris. But I continue. Don't trip, though, Rob. I rock with you, too, homie. I listen to these podcasts Monday through Friday while at work. But Thursday is my favorite, like I said, mostly because Levin is the truth. Please keep doing what you're doing. Keep speaking facts, good or bad. I'll be listening. Five stars for me. Thank you all for the content. It helps me at work, even though this season is depressing. It's always bang, bang, Niner game. I told my wife, you probably wouldn't get to this one on the show because I wrote a lot here, but no matter what, much love and respect to everyone. Well, there you go, Chris. We did get to it. You took the time. We read it on the show. Just no more compliments for Levin, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if I'm the truth, what's that make you? I don't really have a good answer for that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So if I'm the truth and all you do is insult me and pick on me. Mm-hmm. What's that make you? Correct. You're allergic to the truth? I'm the straw that stirs the drink of the show. That's what I am. By the way, if you're new to this show. Should have said you're the answer and double dipped on the whole eh, NBA nickname thing. I don't like Allen Iverson that much. I much I like Paul Pierce much better than Allen Iverson. But uh, if you are new to the show, thanks for listening. Uh, you get the hot takes and cold truth, as we like to say. Most of the hot takes come from me. Most of the cold truth comes from Levin who, as you heard, is the human wet blanket, as I like to describe him. Although, to be honest, Levin, I feel like most of the time, at least this year, we've been in agreement about the problems with this team. Yeah, well, it's been the same problems. Nothing's changed. Yeah. That's the whole problem. Right. Nothing has changed in two years with this team. They keep trying to run back and capture the magic of a season. Each season is different. You need to adjust and change. And by the way, that's one of the things, it's not just, player personnel and things like that. But I've been seeing a lot more national media start saying Kyle Shanahan's offense is stale. And I think it is. I think he's trying to run the same things he did two years ago. And I think it's it's a little too easy to read when you have the same players running the same plays. I have thoughts on that. Uh, and I think you're referring to Brian Baldinger because he described the offense as stale this week. Um, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the Rams game. But before we get to any of that, you may have seen on YouTube, if you haven't already or on Twitter, I've been posting clips. Levin and I had the chance to sit down with Kyle Juszczyk. So we're going to play that audio for you. Then after that, we'll take a break. We'll react to the interview and then we'll give you our thoughts on the Rams game on Monday night. So without further ado, here is the conversation that Levin and I had with Kyle Juszczyk on Tuesday of this week. He was very gracious with his time. We very much appreciate it. Here's Juice. Kyle, thanks for some time today. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on with you guys? We are doing well. I'm going to speak for you, Levin, because that's just <laughs> how I roll. Um, yeah. Before we start, I want to just get into it uh, right away. You are here with us on behalf of a partnership that you have with Dick's Sporting Goods and the Sports Matter Giving Truck. Uh, tell us what you got going on. Yeah, so um, I was really excited about this one uh, because I'm, I'm very passionate about youth sports. And so uh, when Dick Sporting Goods reached out to me about doing a partnership with uh, the Sports Matter Giving Truck, uh, I, was, I was all in. So basically, um, 
Dix is going to be driving around uh, with their giving truck and we're going to go to under-resourced um, youth athletic programs and giving away uh, sports equipment uh, to teams that need it. So uh, I'm all for helping out our youth uh, football programs. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. And uh, I was reading up a little bit about that and how they're going to like eight different cities, yep. things like that. Uh, I think that's a great thing. Um, I guess I, I can lead it off with, uh, I, I've always wondered this. I once saw, this was 20 years ago towards the end of his career, I saw Marshall Falk talking about when he was running, he could almost see the entire play unfold. And he would, because of that, he could see if I run this direction for this amount of time, I can then cut back and get to open field and he can kind of set up people that were further down the field. Now you as a fullback, it's not the kind of traditional fullback blocking where you're just running straight into a hole right in front of you. You got to get to the outside, get up to the edge in this outside zone scheme. So I was wondering if you could talk about your thought process on how you identify who it is you need to block. Yeah. You know, that's funny that actually um, that's kind of exactly how I see the game uh, as a fullback and uh, especially now with the experience that I have and and running the wide zone system, um, I really can kind of see how the play is going to unfold. And you have to be able to anticipate um, if I take this angle, uh, if if I widen out, uh, I know this guy's responsibility um, is that he you know he needs to be outside of me. He needs to set the edge. So the wider I get, the wider he's going to get. Uh, and I really have I've used that to my advantage. Um, because I'm not your stereotypical fullback. I'm not 260 pounds. Uh, I don't wear a neck collar and just uh, smash into people. Um, so I have to use those types of things to my advantage. And now I've gotten to a point that, um, you know, I can see, you know, how it's going to develop. And I know what it's supposed to look like for the running back behind me. Um, so I do try to use those type of, um, those type of advantages, uh, um, for me to try and set up our running back and open up wider holes. Do you sort of block according to the running back style that's behind you, or does he sort of work off of how you're blocking? Um, you know, we kind of coach a, a certain style here. We don't, you know, once you get to the second or third level, um, Bobby Turner, our running back coach, he always says that now that's on you. That's your own style. You do your thing. Uh, you just make that guy miss. You win however you're going to do it. Uh, but we do coach a certain style um, in that first level uh, until you get to the line of scrimmage. We really are a uh, one gap at a time, uh, one cut type of running system. And we really stress uh, what we call pressing, getting on the heels of the offensive linemen. Um, whereas I alluded to earlier that say we're running a, a wide zone scheme and I have an outside target on my man. The, uh, if the running back matches that path and he gets wide as well, that's going to make that defender get wider until he gets on my heels or the offensive lineman's heels. And then he can cut back and get into that gap. Um, it's not necessarily as soon as he gets the ball, go straight to that open hole. Uh, Cause that hole is going to close in the NFL. Things move quickly. Uh, guys react. And so if you just go directly to the spot that you're trying to get to, the defense is going to be there waiting for you by the time you get there. So that's kind of the cat and mouse game where you want to set it up um, you know, make it look like you're going to hit it wide. And then once you get on the heels of those linemen, make that one cut and get, uh, get back behind them. Now you've played for John Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan two you know, well-respected coaches, but at least from watching on TV, they seem to have kind of different styles on game days. You know, uh, John's kind of more the rallying the troops kind of, uh, watches over everybody tries to refocus people if they're having issues whereas Kyle's kind of the tactician you know he, he's running the offense he's always searching for that next play I was wondering if you could talk about the differences between them on game days yeah there's definitely there's a big difference and, and just like you said Kyle is very um, much more involved in the X's and O's he's calling the plays um, whereas John is kind of overseeing everything um, you know, more, I, I feel like his responsibilities are more, like you said, rallying the troops, uh, clock management, um, you know, talking to the refs, that kind of stuff. Uh, so in a way, Kyle almost, he has a lot more on his plate on game day because he has to do all those things as well. You know, he's still the leader of this team and um, has to make sure things are, are going well in that aspect. But he also has to call plays. He has to watch the, the defense. And he, he's even involved in um, sometimes helping with the call playing on our own defense. So he, he's got a lot on his plate. Um, so, you know, you're really not talking to Kyle too much 
uh, on game day, unless he, he seeks you out. Um, but two different styles, but I think uh, they both do them both very well and they're both successful with them. So we host podcasts every single day for Niners Nation, and we hear from fans, Kyle, and you just mentioned it. Shanahan has a lot on his plate, and I'm hearing a lot of people say that he has too much on his plate, that there's just too much going on, and that he needs to sort of be kind of more like a John Harbaugh kind of conductor of the orchestra on game day. How fair is that criticism? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's too fair. And it, it's always so easy to say those kind of things right now with the start to the season that we've had. Hindsight's always 2020, you know, and, and when you're three and five, it, we're definitely looking for reasons of why we're in this situation. And, um, you know, if that's one that you come to, uh, you know, I guess in that sense, it's fair. And we're all, there, there's something that's not going right, obviously, and we need to figure that out. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's that, uh, you know, it's, it's easy just to point back to th 2019. He was doing all those same things then, and we got to the Super Bowl, And so it's not like it's doing something new this year, uh, you know, that is leading uh, to him, you know, being, having too much on his plate or anything in that sense. So uh, I, don't, I don't think it's anything that he can't handle. Yeah. Well, bringing it in more into the season, you know, you talked about the three and five start, this is one of the most experienced teams in the league uh, with, with you guys. And a lot of you have been with this coaching system for a long time. You got a lot of veterans in there, but after games, uh, both Kyle and the players have kind of cited a lack of execution as the reason for losses. So I was curious, what do you think it, it is? Why the execution issues ha have cropped up this season? Yeah, you know, I, I wish I had a, a definitive answer for you because I'm kind of searching for it, too. I, I don't know exactly what it is. It's, it's been kind of something different each week, which, um, you know, is not it's not up to our standard. It's not something that you expect from a, a veteran team. Um, but, it, you know, it sounds cliche, but we really do need to just be more consistent. Uh, you know, one week it may be penalties. Another week it's turnovers. Uh, another is just execution of your blocks. Another maybe drop passes. You know, it's never all those one thing, all all of those in one game. Uh, but it, it seems that one or two has come to light in each of those losses. And that's just something that we have to nip in the bud and, and, and be more consistent and be good on all those fronts uh, in each game. One of the big topics this season has been the Brandon Ayuk situation. He wasn't getting used early in the season as much as he has recently. And he specifically mentioned you, Kyle, as someone that has helped him this year. Your lockers are next to each other. Number one, what did you say to him? And number two, what the hell took so long? <laughs> yeah, you know what, Brandon, um, he's one of my favorite teammates of all time. It's It's been awesome to have a locker next to him the last two years. And um, we, we've spent just a lot of time together last year. Uh, we both pulled our hamstrings the same time in training camp. And so we went through the same rehab together and I got to know Brandon well, and, um, you know, really feel him out as a player and as a, as a person. And, um, you know, at Brandon, it's, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the whole team. It's just been consistency. Uh, he, he definitely, he always has shown flashes of what a, a dominant player he can be. He has such a, an elite talent set, uh, as a receiver and a guy that can be one of the, I really truly feel that can be one of the best in this league. Um, but it's just going out there each and every play and, and doing it. And that's, that's something I always stress with him. Uh, I'm just, I tell him to say, Brandon, just take it one play at a time, put every, maximum effort into that play and then figure it out on the next one. You know, we, we talk about that as a team, uh, as a whole each week, it's like, let's, let's put everything into this game. Um, and no matter, you know, what it takes, whether you get injured, whatever, whatever it is, put it all out there and we'll, and if we win, we'll figure it out the next week, you know? So you just have to focus on what's in front of you right now and then figure out your game plan after that. Right. And that's an example of your leadership helping uh, IU, you know, get to where he needs to be. And I wanted to ask that because that's kind of been one of the topic of conversations that maybe there was a leadership void with Buckner's trade, you know, losing that leader on the defense and then Staley retiring, losing that leader in the offense. So I wanted to ask you, who are the leaders on this team that can kind of talk to everybody and bring everybody together? Yeah. You know, we, we have a ton of leaders on this team and uh, ones I point to right away. 
definitely Fred Warner. I, I think he not only is a captain on our team, but I think he's the captain of that defense. He really is the emotional leader, the vocal leader. Uh, and he's stepped in and become such a phenomenal uh, leader for this team. And he's just done, he's done a great job. I can't say enough things about what Fred's done, but also guys like Jimmy Ward has become a lot more vocal recently. And he, he's been phenomenal. Eric Armstead uh, on the, on the offense, Trent Williams is definitely one of our big leaders. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I like to throw myself in there. George Kittle. Um, we all kind of, you know, take on those, those different duties, uh, so I, I feel like there really hasn't been much of that void that people may think there's been. Um, but it just, it seems like it when, you know, two veteran guys like that, especially somebody like Joe Staley is lost because, you know, he's been the face of this franchise for so long. Um, so some of these faces may be new, uh, to fans as being the big leaders, but, um, even the guys I just mentioned, they've been leaders for years here now. Are those guys like, grab your face mask, tell you to get your head out of your ass kind of leader. Cause I feel like when people talk about the leadership void, that's the kind of person that they're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, no, I, I don't think in today's game, there's really not a lot of that. And I don't know if, um, I don't know if Defoe or, or, or Staley were those guys either, you know, maybe Staley, you know, with offensive linemen, um, but I promise you, you know, Staley was never grabbing my face mask and telling me to get, you know, my head in the game that it, that's just it's that's kind of an older um, brand of football. I feel like it, you really don't see too much of that anymore. You definitely like guys are going to encourage you and, and, and tell you, like, you know, let's lock in. Um, but there's not so much of that, you know, grab me by the face mask sort of mentality anymore. Now, Mike McGlinchey is picked up an injury. And I, it brought up a question in my mind for you as a fullback, when you're trying to get, get to the outside to make a block, does it change anything for you in terms of who's at the tackle if you're going to the right side there, in terms of maybe knowing what they're capable of and who they might be able to get to? Does it just change anything? Yeah, a, a little bit. It does. It, it depends on what the block is or and, uh, you know, what we're running. Um but I mean, yeah, there's definitely differences in, you know, what tackles you need to help um, when you're getting out on into um, your route and pass protection or if, uh, you know, what we call, um, you know, like transportation series or uh, or like pull, pin and pull schemes where you're out running in the open field. Uh, yeah, I'm aware of, um, you know, the tackle that's in front of me and uh, how well they can do in open space and. Yeah, there's a little difference with uh, Trent Williams versus basically anybody. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to worry too much about him. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's something that, you know, you have to take into account. Now, the offense has had times this year where they are absolutely rolling. They had seven straight plays against Chicago where you guys gained either a first down or a touchdown, which is awesome. And you've had times when you've struggled. One thing I haven't seen so much this year, Kyle, is – Hey, the offense needs a jolt. Let's do a play action and hit juice on that wheel route down the sidelines. Are, like, are you talking to Kyle? Like, Hey, where did that play go? Believe me. I'm all, if I'm always talking to Kyle about that play. And if I do talk to him during the game, it's usually about setting one, something like that up. Um, and we, have, we, we've hit one or two and there's been times where we've, uh, you know, we've talking on the sidelines. All right. You know, that, that play's coming up or, um, there's actually uh, been a couple times where we've ran it and it's been open, but we just haven't had time to throw it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's I'm always in Kyle's ear about uh, those type of things. But uh, they're, I promise they're always in the game plan um, that Kyle and uh, Coach McDaniel, they do such a great job of, of scheming me up and um, put me in good situations to, to make big, um, you know, kind of jolt plays like that. Uh, it's just you know, those aren't always plays that you can just call and run against any defense. They, they have to be set up. Um, you have to have the right look. So uh, there, there's a little bit of luck involved there. Now, a lot of your uh, plays in terms of getting catches are leak outs, things like that. Same with uh, Kittle. He, you know, he's known for getting those leak outs where he, he does, a you know, a quick block and then gets out. I noticed early in the season, and, and it's hard to know exactly from, you know, just watching on TV and then reviewing the all 22, but it seemed like defenses have almost keyed on that a little bit more watched you and Kittle a little bit longer to see, is he truly going to hold this block and then have come down when you guys have tried to leak out. 
and they haven't been there as much. Have you, have you noticed that where teams are kind of keying on you guys doing that a little more? Yeah, most definitely. And, um, you know, defenses get paid too. They're studying us just like we're studying them. And, uh, you know, I honestly, I see it a lot in the, uh, the press conferences with opposing defenses um, the week leading up to that game. And you'll just hear them. They talk a lot about how much George and I do those type of things or how much pre-snap motion we're doing and how they're being taught not to get caught in the smoke and not let their eyes deceive them because we do so many different things like that. So uh, that just tells me that defenses, they're aware of it and they're, they're keying on it. And that doesn't mean we can't still hit it, uh, but it makes it a little more difficult. We're talking with Kyle Juszczyk, who's here with us on behalf of Dick's Sporting Goods and the Sports Matter Giving Truck. If you want more information on that, you can go to sportsmatter.org. Kyle, you're three and five, and obviously fans are disappointed. They're saying we had every opportunity against the Cardinals with some big names out to get a win. If you guys had won that game, you'd be the seventh seed right now in the NFC. And here come the Rams on Monday night football. And I think a lot of fans are feeling like when the ball is snapped, we are just hoping that something bad doesn't happen. Do the players feel like that? Do you feel that? Or is it not quite that kind of vibe in the locker room? Yeah, no, we're definitely not to that point. And I, I believe me, I was just as shocked about the outcome of this last game as, as all the fans. It, I really, I woke up that morning and just felt, I felt great vibes uh, for myself and from all my teammates. And I, I really felt like we were going to come out and dominate in that game. So I was just as surprised as everybody else. And, and believe me, there, there's no letdown on, on this side. We still have a, a full commitment to, to winning this year. And we really still feel like we can, we can turn this thing around. And, um, you know, Kyle, he's always he pointed out um, when he was in Washington, they started a season at three and six, went into a bye and uh, ended up in the playoffs. So uh, we don't want to get to that point. Uh, let's we're, we're, we're good at stopping at three and five. We're ready to get some wins right now. Um, but we know that, you know, it's possible uh, to do exactly the opposite of what we just did. It, it's very, very possible in this, this team to win five of the next eight games and, or even better. So uh, it starts with LA and it, this is a team that uh, we feel like we've had a lot of success against. So we're confident in that. And we feel like if we can just go get a win uh, this week, that, like I alluded to earlier, we'll figure it out the next week. You know, we just got to focus on this one. Yeah. Now there's a report out uh, I saw today from Michael Silver saying that Trey Lance in training camp had a great first week and then lost confidence. I was wondering if you could comment. Did you see him lose confidence? Do you think that's true at all? Or, or what did you see? No, absolutely not. I, I saw no lo loss of confidence at all. Um, I felt like Trey had a, a phenomenal training camp. And uh, I think maybe you just saw those those big splash plays on that were posted those first uh, couple weeks of training camp. Uh, but kind of like you said, it, it, when you're watching a game as a fan and you only get, you know, you look at the all 22, you know, you're not submersed in it every day. It's easy to see those. Oh, my gosh. I saw all these highlights on on Instagram. Uh, that first week. And then I stopped seeing him. He must've lost his confidence. And that, that, that wasn't the case at all. Uh, Trey has been uh, one of the most confident rookies I've seen and has really handled things really well. So I, I don't think that's been a problem. One of the common refrains that I hear when we talk about Trey Lance, and I've been one of the people that said he should been the starter from day one, but people say he's not ready. And my argument for that is like, he's not a hot pocket, right? You don't just stick him in the microwave for a certain amount of time. And then he pops out ready to go. Like, I think you got to get reps to get on the field and experience that. Where do you come down on that? Does he need to play right away to get, does any player need to play right away to be ready? Or can you just watch from the sidelines? And then when you come in, be ready to go. Well, I will say, um, I definitely can't argue with you that there's nothing better than live reps that nothing is going to get you ready uh, better than those live reps. But I mean, I, I can speak for myself. There are other ways to get yourself prepared to play NFL football. And I don't know if I necessarily was ready to play my rookie year. I got four offensive snaps as a rookie and the rest were on special teams. Um, and I think just getting those reps in practice and getting looks on special teams, eventually I it, it, it really prepared me to be a starter in my second season. Um, and Trey has gotten a little bit of that. You know, he comes in for a few plays um, each game in different packages. He's gotten that start against Arizona. He gets those reps in practice. 
um, there definitely is something to seeing the guy in front of you go out there and do it. Um, you know, being able to visually see someone else uh, do it without just having to imagine in your head uh, does prepare you as well. So uh, I think there he's doing a lot of things that will prepare him once his time is ready. Give us a little peek behind the curtain in terms of Trey Lance. What is he like in the locker room? Is he high energy? Is he playing music? Is he kind of calm, reserved over in his own? You know, what is he like uh, when he's amongst the team? Yeah, I would say he's calm. I wouldn't say he's reserved. Uh, when you talk to him, he's very open, uh, very, very cool guy, honestly. Like cool is the, the number one word I go to is uh, he's very easy to talk to. He seems comfortable in all situations. Uh, he's not afraid to, you know, come chop it up with the, the vets. Um, you know, he's, he's not sitting in his locker and, and not talking to anybody. The guy's, um, he's just a very likable person and very easy to get along with and, uh, very, um, receptive to, uh, to coaching and, and to tips from the vets. And so, uh, I mean, I, he's just an A1 class guy. Well, Kyle, we really appreciate your time. You've been very generous with us before we go. And again, go to sportsmatter.org for more information on with Dick's Sporting Goods and the Sports Matter Giving Truck. Before we go, leave us with one reason why things are going to be different this week against the Rams. I think we just have, um, a, you know, kind of that underdog mentality and that pissed off mentality. You know, this this team is, is fed up. Um, you know, with what, and, it, and we're fed up with ourselves, with what we've been doing. And I, we're all, we've had discussions in the locker room. We've had lots of different powwows with each other and what we can do different to change it this week. And we feel like we were putting together a good plan of what we can do differently. There obviously something needs to change. And um, there's a lot of emotion uh, driven behind this team and guys are ready to figure it out. So uh, we're, we're passionate about, um, you know, the work we're going to put in this week and we feel very driven. Kyle Juszczyk of the San Francisco 49ers. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Kyle Juszczyk and Dick Sporting Goods for uh, hooking us up there. We appreciate it. We have a lot to react to coming out of that, so we'll get to our reactions to Juice and the Rams game this week when we come back. This is the Gold Standard Podcast. Levin, we got a ton of good reaction to our interview with Kyle Juszczyk. Thousands of people watched it on YouTube. Thousands of people watched the clips that we put out on Twitter. What was your first takeaway from our conversation with him? Oh, I mean, first real takeaway was that Juice came off as an honest person, in my opinion. You know, uh, some people, I've interviewed a lot of people, you know, 10 years as a journalist, you interview a bunch of people. Um, and normally you can get a read on people right away, whether they're a good person, whether they handle themselves well, all sorts of things. And Juice just seemed authentic to me. That was Literally, my thoughts coming out of it was Juice answered everything. I don't think any of his answers were a lie. There were some times that I thought, mm, there's a little bit extra there, but he's not diving into it. But I don't think he blew smoke up our butts, you know, at any point. I, yeah, I, it's not to say that I agreed with everything he said, but I agree. Right. I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I don't think he was, you know, trying to deceive or anything like that or just doing like, team speak or coach speak like he seemed very very genuine i agree the biggest thing that i disagreed with was when we asked him about the leadership and we asked him do you have any sort of grab your face mask leaders and he said that that doesn't exist anymore really in the nfl and i was like thinking like richard sherman is playing for the buccaneers right now tom brady plays for the buccaneers tyron matthew for the cardinals jarvis landry remember that famous speech on hard knocks when he was talking about complacency, it's contagious, he said. It's contagious. Like, that was everywhere. There are those players around the league. So for him to say that, I disagreed with that. But he did admit that they don't have those guys on the 49ers, and I really think the team is suffering because of it. I mean, I go back and forth. I think, I think you need a very vocal leader, somebody that's going to speak up right away, doesn't sit around and wait to see if somebody else is going to do it. Kind of an aggressive leader is the way I would put it. You know, there's the calm collected leaders. And then there's the very aggressive leader where the moment anything's happening, they're, they're up front, they're barking, they're saying something, not necessarily like physically in your face, but they're going to be heard. No matter what's happening, where you're at, you're going to hear from them. Yeah, I don't see that. It, it's kind of surprising to me. I feel like Kittle could be that. And I wonder if he just doesn't want to step on toes, because if he's doing that, he probably feels like he's stepping on Jimmy Garoppolo's toes because he's the quarterback. 
And a lot of your successful teams have the quarterback in that role. You know, and I told a couple of weeks ago, I think it was on this, might've been an instant reacts pod, but a story of, uh, I think it was Mike Vrabel when he was with the Patriots, went out for a pass when he, you know, he was a linebacker, but he, he got to run some pass routes, was wide open. Tom Brady didn't throw him the ball. He came back to the huddle and said, Tom, I was open. Why didn't you throw it? And Tom led into him, said, I'm the effing quarterback. Don't ever tell me if you're open or not again. I will throw the ball wherever the heck I please, you know, and went <laughs> off on him. Like, I, yeah, the Niners don't have that. And normally that needs to come from the quarterback. Um, you know, Montana wasn't that way, but Montana was more of the, he was um, the silent leader, I think. You know what I mean? He wasn't in your face. And I don't know who was in your face on those teams, Ronnie to be Watt. honest. On the defense. Who was that on the offense, though? I think you need both. Because you're on the field. You need somebody on the field with you to do it. You know, you have a bad play. You need somebody there getting you yeah. back in line. And I think um, part of the reason Kittle does it is because he's injured half the time. So he's not there. Right. So that that was the one question that I feel like he was holding back a little bit. You know what I mean? That That's what I was getting at when he said, I don't think he always told everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the one that he was kind of um, not quite team speak, but you could tell that something was missing there and he wasn't wanting to say it. And just think about like, they had to have the GM speak to them before the Bears game yeah. to rile them up. Like that tells me that Kyle's message is not getting through the way it used to. Something is something is wrong there. That is weird. You don't do that. And I know that like most teams don't have a GM that was a former player and, and potentially Hall, of, fame Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. He is a Hall of Famer now. But that's weird to me, Levin. When I first heard that, it struck me as weird, but it was kind of one of those things where like, well, they won the game, so you kind of forget about it. But now the more I look back on it, that is not a good sign. No, I, I do think uh, less has been made of that than should have been um, for that exact reason, that why does the coach or any of the coaches not doing that? You know, they probably have in games past and it hasn't worked. You know, I think coming out of the bye week, you know, Kyle was you know shocked at how they performed. He said that. And who was delivering the messages during the bye week and prior to that game? Probably Kyle Shanahan. So he brought in John Lynch. And remember, they said that it was like a last minute thing. Lynch was like getting ready for the game, wasn't down at the locker room and gets a text. Hey, are you busy? Is the way he put it. So I think it was kind of off script where Kyle felt like mm, something's not right. The vibe's not right. I need to get somebody else in here right. to give a message. And, you know, sometimes teams will bring in former players. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, a Jerry Rice or or some great of the past has come in and talked to teams before, and this was unplanned. So he wasn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't have that ability to plan it out. But I think he must have felt something was off. The vibe was off, and I do think that that is concerning. That why can't Kyle do it? Why isn't Kyle's message being heard? And that is something that should have been made a little bit of a bigger deal. On the one hand, I guess it's good because Kyle had the vibe of the team enough to recognize that something was wrong and needed to be done, but you can't have John Lynch talk to the team every single week. So, I mean, right. we'll see where it goes. Has John forward. Elway ever talked to the Broncos? Not that I've ever heard. They had Peyton Manning I don't there. follow they them as they didn't need right. Elway because they had Peyton and he was going to take anybody. to task. Don't worry about that. Um, the other thing that you said, you asked him about Trey Lance and I'm glad that you did. Because there was a report from Mike Silver, which you referenced in the interview, that said that Lance lost confidence, either a training camp or the preseason. And Juice totally denied that, shot it down. He said that Lance is one of the most confident rookies he's ever been around and that he chops it up with the veterans, that he's not afraid to, you know, go mix it up with people. He's not just, you know, the quiet little 21-year-old kid sitting in, in the corner in his locker all alone. I, I That was an encouraging sign to me because – you know, after this season, whatever, this team is going to need vocal leaders. And the quarterback is a leader, regardless of how vocal they are. It's just the nature of the position. You're in control of the entire offense. So you are a de facto leader. And the fact that Lance is not afraid to go chop it up with guys, I think is a good sign. Cause like I said, the Niners are going to need those guys in the future. Yeah. That was one of our unplanned, so to speak questions, because we had kind of sent messages back and forth and email chain 
so that we weren't going to be asking the same questions so that we had an idea so that we could bounce ideas off of each other, try to not necessarily have a script of questions, but a good idea and also know, you know, when the other person's running out of questions, well, that he showed up early to the interview and <laughs> was willing awesome. to stay late. So he caught us off guard, but uh, we went ahead and went into it. And, you know, I, I think we both had two or three questions asked that neither one of us knew was going to get asked because we were just, okay, what else do I want to ask him about now that we have more time because he showed up early? And that was one of them. I'd seen that report and I was like, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit nervous asking about it because I knew we were getting towards the end of the interview. And I'm like, I'm, I'm asking a question that could very easily end the interview. You know, if the media person behind the camera, which I actually didn't notice at the time, but I rewatched our interview. Oh, there yeah. was a couple of times that he looked up at somebody. Mm -hmm. So somebody was there, you know, but that's one of those questions that they might be like, all right, we're done. You know, we're not going to have them start talking about the rookie and the quarterback situation. Um, but that was one of my two big takeaways from the interview was his response to that question was instant. Like before I even finished the question, he was laughing it off because to me, looking at, looking at his body language and just the feel it, it seemed to me like he was reacting to that's just so absurd. Like that, that's a made up thing that he was laughing about it and then instant denial. And to me, I believed him like, you know, what's he supposed to say there? Yes. He's supposed to say, no, he can't say yes. If he says yes, it's going to be a big problem. Um, <laughs> But he oh, has yeah, to he say totally no. Lost confidence. He went in the right. tank after yeah. that. <laughs> he has to say no. But you know, I responded to somebody on Twitter who who responded with that. You know, what's he supposed to say? Well, it's not just what he said. It's body language. It's the way he reacted. The mm -hmm. fact that there was zero hesitation from him. I 100% believe him that Trey Lance didn't uh, lose any confidence. Which, by the way, I have now seen more national media people saying, "Yeah, I heard the same thing." Except for now, they're phrasing it as he leveled off rather than he lost confidence. That is a small change, but an important one. Kawakami has a piece in The Athletic today where he talks about he thinks that maybe Kyle realized that Jimmy Garoppolo is a bigger leader in the locker room than he thought. And he recognized the lack of leadership and he worried that and Kyle worried that if he benched Jimmy, that would be another leader that was gone, which I mean, OK, but like you also need to play the best quarterback right. on your team. So that's so th th this is um, we kind of hinted at this in the preseason. We might even set it out right. You know, I can't remember every conversation we've had because you've been for getting rid of Jimmy since the draft. Before since the, the draft, draft yep. you know, um, and I was like, well, I can kind of see him around. But I had the one caveat. I said, if you know that he is a big leader on that team, somebody that everybody turns to, you've got to get rid of him because you can't go to the rookie with him being the one that everybody turns to. So if that is the case, then Kyle doesn't get out of it. You know, that, that's not an excuse for him because that means he created a situation where he can't bench an ineffective starter because he's too much of a leader. If you have a, a, a bad starter or somebody that you think behind him is better or potentially better, certainly is your future in Trey Lance, you can't keep him around because it creates a problem and it creates a uh, issue in the locker room because it's a power struggle. You have a starter now, a new starter, but you have the guy who's the backup everybody turns to for answers and help. You know what I mean? You can't have that. So if that's the case, it, that's completely on Kyle Shanahan for not recognizing that he needs to move Jimmy Garoppolo no matter what then. Yeah. Add it to the list of things we could put on Kyle <laughs> Shanahan this season. Uh, if you have any reactions Thoughts to the Kyle Juszczyk interview, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Stats on Fire. Levin is at LT Black Niners. You can also leave it in your rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We're always interested in feedback. I said this on Twitter. You know, you and I put a lot of work into the questions that we were going to ask. And we spend a lot of time criticizing the questions that get asked to Kyle Shanahan and to the players on this team. So it was important to me that we live up to the standards that we have talked about on this show. I like to think that we did. I, I like to think that we asked the questions that you out there would want to ask if you were in our position. Uh, and I hope we lived up to that because that was important to me. Yeah. And we had a little bit of a back and forth in our email chain about, you know, I, I was using the word tact and we need to be careful because if we, <laughs> if we come right not. out and ask the questions, yeah, if we come out and write, uh, ask the questions that we want to ask. Uh, he, the interview is going to be over real quick um, because we're pissed off, you know, and if we come through pissed off, 
Uh, I think I said the interviewer needs to be emotionless. The interviewee needs to supply the emotion. <laughs> we had that back and forth. And I think we ended up uh, sounding the right tune. You know, he didn't run away from the questions and we asked him correctly. But um, that that was one of my one of two takeaways. My other big one was his answer to the John Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan question. Now, mm. that the reason why that question was longer and long-winded, if you've seen the video or heard it now, if you're listening to the podcast, you've heard it. Uh, I purposely phrased it the way I did because what I'm really asking is, is Kyle Shanahan somebody that can rally the troops? You know, I thought that the, his answer to that was going to be very interesting because John Harbaugh definitely is that type, and it's because he's not coordinating. He does not have to call any plays. So all he has to do is the head coach stuff, which a lot of times is keeping people online, making sure everything runs smooth. And I was kind of a little surprised, and it's one that I wish I had followed up on. I didn't think about it till after. But when he said Kyle actually helps with the defensive play calls at times, that that's an eyebrow raiser to me. See, that got some play on Twitter. I saw that, and I disagree, but go ahead. So if you're already calling the plays on offense, you don't got the time to deal with the defense. You you need to do other, you know, you got head coaching duties. So if when the team has the ball, you can't be the head coach because you're the offensive coordinator. You can't then be trying to be the defensive coordinator at times too. There's just not enough time. There are other things you need to be doing. And I think that that's an issue. The follow-up question I wish I would have thought of is, has Kyle always done that? Because if the answer is he's doing it this year because D'Amico's new, then he needs to get an experienced defensive coordinator, which I think D'Amico's done a, a pretty good job. He's a rookie defensive coordinator. There's going to be growing pains. But if some of those growing pains are that Kyle has to be the defensive coordinator at times and help with the play calls, then that's not something that can work because Kyle already has to spend too much of his time being the offensive coordinator. Some people I think I saw on Twitter that were kind of like agreeing with that. Picking up on yeah. I think it depends on how often he's doing it, right? He is the head coach. Right. He has the right at any time to overrule D'Amico Ryans and call whatever play he wants called. That's part of his job as a head coach. So if he's doing that a couple of times a game or if he's in a situation right. where it's like deal. Hey, it's third and six, but our guys are playing too far off. I want them up press coverage, man coverage, whatever. Like, that's fine. If he's calling every play, every series or an entire series at a time, I agree with you. That That's too much on his plate. Uh, it is interesting, though. We asked if Kyle had too much on his plate and Juice said, mm, no, I don't think so. But then he said, you don't talk too much yeah. to Kyle on game day. And he sometimes calls the defensive plays. Right. So th that was one of his questions that you got to read between the lines. Like I said, body language matters. The way you answer it matters. That was one where he had a hesitation. You know what I mean? When you asked yeah. him that, he hesitated for a second. Well, that tells you the truth. If a player hesitates to say no to an answer that he knows he's supposed to say no to, it means the real <laughs> answer is yes. Oh, man. Let's be honest here. But I think... <clears throat> I think what he said, he kind of hedged his bets, if I remember correctly. He, he said something along the lines of, you know, some coaches can handle it, some can't. Well, that is certainly true. But even really, really good offensive minds, genius offensive minds, you know, better than, you know, even some of the best that there's ever been, which I think Kyle offensively is one of the best minds the league has seen in quite some time. Uh, you know, I'd put him up there with anybody in the 2000s. Sometimes they still can't do it. You know, Andy Reid doesn't call every play on offense. He does uh, delegate some of that, you know, and that's something he learned because early in his career, Andy Reid called every offensive play. He was very, very, very hands-on, always worrying about the offense. And that's why he made some of the boneheaded head coaching decisions that he used to have a reputation for. You know, he used to have terrible clock management, things like that. And I think Kyle needs to delegate a little bit there and trust somebody like McDaniel. And if you can't trust McDaniel with some of the play calls or handling the offense where, you know, Kyle maybe oversees and steps in at certain times, then find somebody that can find somebody you do trust because he, I, I think we're at the point that Kyle needs to delegate a little bit more. I don't think that the offense from a play calling schematic standpoint is bad. I really don't. I think that the play calls are still good. I That's think not the issue. It's everything else that gets ignored because right. Kyle has to spend so much time on the offense because 
right after a uh, a drive ends, you know, let's say the Niners punt or score a touchdown even, what does Kyle have to do? He's got to prep the next drive. He's got to get ready because they could be back on the field in a single play. If there's a turnover or anything well, like that, he doesn't have to worry to about ready. turnovers. <laughs> well, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, he's got to be ready. So right. the moment the offense leaves the field, it's not like, okay, I'm good. I can be a head coach now for a while. He's got to start prepping the next drive. And I think that's part of the problem when you have one of your coordinators be the head coach. So there are a myriad of issues, obviously. Um, they're three and five right now. They play on Monday against the Rams. And this is my big takeaway not takeaway but this is my big thought going into the rams game 11 and unfortunately it's not a good one but if you thought last week was bad this week is going to be worse because this week is the week that the national media catches up you know last week they were at four o'clock there were other games going on that people cared about way more not this week this is a prime time game the world is going to be watching and they are going to watch this secondary get shredded by Matthew Stafford. The world is going to see Jimmy Garoppolo throwing six feet above everybody's head, every play, putting receivers in harm's way. The world is going to see the offensive line, especially that right side. Now that McGlinchey's out, get manhandled. They are going to see the graphics on the screen with Kyle Shanahan's crappy record. They are going to hear and see the boos at home, which are going to come when the Niners are getting their doors blown off. The only question to me coming out of this game is not are the 49ers going to lose because I think they are. It's how embarrassed does Jed York get when he's getting booed on national TV at home and what does Jed York, if anything, do about it? Right. I, I would be shocked if you don't see the home record put up on a graphic. What are they? I think 1-11 in 11 now in their last 12 games, something like that, uh, in Levi Stadium, like, I don't know what to say to it. it it's so bad. It, it it actually makes me speechless to a certain degree. Like there's no way to describe the home record in recent seasons to do it justice. You know, I, I, I can't find the right words because it's so incredibly bad. I can't, I can't describe it correctly. There, there's, there's no way to describe it. They would be accurate. It's, it's depressing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. They haven't won a home game right. in over a year. Just say that out loud. Now, some of those were home games, quote unquote, in Arizona because they got, you know, exiled because of COVID last year. But the point remains, they're terrible at home. Like they should wear the white jerseys on Monday Night Football. Have they thought of that? Maybe that's what they need to do. Need to do something. You know, if this continues, build another damn new stadium. Get rid of this one. I mean, can they win this game? There are reports that Matthew Stafford has a banged up ankle, which would have been encouraging, except last week they got diced up by Colt freaking McCoy. Like, so, uh, you know, it's, it's just so You maddening. got pissed off Rams, too. Like, right. The Rams not are just be the bad. Niners are, were bad and, you know, use check said that they were angry now. Um, but the Rams just got embarrassed. Like, they're going to come in angry. You know, you know, this is going to be a personal game for Aaron Donald because of what happened to him the first time he went against Brunskill. You know, he got embarrassed and he played the the who, you know, who's that card after getting his butt whooped by him. And you know that Brunskill's in for a rough game because Donald, this is personal to him. It's not going to be pretty. That's the thing. And it's just. It's two things. It's one, the embarrassment of it, right? If they like, there was no embarrassment against the Packers when Aaron Rodgers went down the field in 30, like Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things and the 49ers lost. Like there was no embarrassment there, but to lose the way they did to the Cardinals is embarrassing to lose the way they're going to lose this game against the Rams. And I don't, don't tell me by the way, oh, they've won four straight against the Rams. I don't care. That was Jared Goff. Okay. We're not dealing with Jared Goff anymore. We're dealing with Matthew Stafford. It's a world of difference. So I don't want to hear that. And I just, it, to lose in an embarrassing way and to lose in the same way every week, turnovers, penalties, no chunk plays on offense, secondary getting shredded because there is no pass rush outside of Nick Bosa. It's the same movie over and over again it's that's the more frustrating thing is that not only do we lose, but we lose the same way every time. The point that I hit after last game, that's the game that breaks the season for me. Like I don't have any hope left. Like 
I'm done with game-to-game results. I don't care about the game-to-game results. What I care about are the bigger storylines and looking to the future, which Niner fans should be used to, because normally by about midway through the season, you're going, all right, let's see who might be worth keeping around next year. Mm -hmm. So at this point, like, I, I, I don't find myself thinking about, ooh, could we beat the Rams? How could we do it? You know, what? what are the things we need to do to win, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking about, is this the game that Trey Lance could get in? You know, like, it's all about future now to me. That's the mindset I'm in. I know the Niners are only one game out of playoffs. So what? Do they, I think, have, like, a once in a million chance of making it? Yeah. Like, I think the team still has a lot of talent on the face of just talent. Problem is, is they're not playing unified. You got a lot of individuals out there, I think, at this point that are playing for themselves. I think this team is divided, and I don't think they're focused on the right things. And you're seeing that on the field. The number of teams that have been been able to get to that point and then turned it around and won four or five games in a row, which is what the Niners would need to do to have a realistic shot at the playoffs, slim to none. You know, I can't, there's no team that jumps to my mind that was that divided and has been this disorganized in my opinion and then turned it around and ended up you know fixing everything the lack of consideration to the bigger picture has been one of my biggest frustrations with this team it started in the off season with the drafting of Trey Lance and the keeping of Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that they didn't do anything at corner just depending on Jason Verrett to stay healthy because he had one relatively healthy year. They just didn't see the bigger picture. And they haven't seen it since we've been underway in the season. Ambry Thomas, inactive. Diamador Lenore, inactive. Aaron Banks, inactive. Like, they don't get that there are games and seasons to be played beyond this one, and you need to take steps to prepare for those, and that's where we are. You need to use, instead of wasting the final nine games of the season, use them to evaluate and prepare for 2022. Find out who can play and who can't play. Maybe Aaron Banks can't play. Maybe he's the worst offensive lineman in the history of football, but you won't know for sure until you put him in. And and to put him to, to bench Daniel Brunskill, like, so what? Brunskill sucks. So who cares anyway? Right. If, if Brunskill is the starting right guard next year, there's really big problems. So there's no harm in benching him. Right. So just do it. And then you then the final nine games of this year, even though it's a disappointing year, no doubt. But then the final nine games become useful. They become something useful for you in 2022. There are over 30 free agents after this season, Levin. The Niners have a ton of evaluating to do. Well, let's get to doing it here. Let's, instead of just continuing to wallow in the problems that we have, let's get to work on fixing them. And that begins this season in these final nine games of the year. So let's get to work, boys. Right, like how many quarterbacks in league history have come in and just hit the ground running. You know, it doesn't matter if they sat or not behind somebody. Even quarterbacks who sat a lot of times take a handful of games to truly get adjusted, get used to things. It takes time, and by time, I mean playing in the damn game time, to get to the point where you can be a difference maker consistently. You know, for what? You have Patrick Mahomes who hit the ground running, and you have Aaron Rodgers who hit the ground running. That's about the only two that I can think of in recent history that truly came in and dominated right right away. I guess you have Herbert, too. Um, But even like Cam Newton, his rookie year, was it really good for rookie standards? Yeah. Was it dominant, truly? No. He had 4,000 yards, but he threw a lot of interceptions. He he had some learning to do there. Um, You know, you look at Josh Allen. He needed a full year of starting just to figure things out. You look at Lamar Jackson. He came in and was a difference maker right away, but that's because he could run, and running doesn't really take a whole lot of, I don't want to say skill, but you know what I mean? It's much easier to be a really good runner. than anything else. Right. Um, And he's been improving as a quarterback. Last year, he was a better quarterback than he was the year before. This year, he's a much better quarterback than he's ever been. You know, it, it takes time. And the sooner you start the clock, the sooner you get to the point where the person can be the difference maker, or the sooner you get to knowing the answer that the guy's not it. That's exactly the perfect way to phrase it. It takes time, but you have to start the clock. 
And that's where the Niners are this season. And I hope they do. You know, maybe if the 49ers are embarrassed the way they are, they'll finally kind of, I don't want to say give up, but they'll turn the page. Maybe, you know, they're playing Jacksonville the week after the Rams. That's a perfect time to put Trey Lance in there, right? He had his first start against the Cardinals, who were undefeated at the time. That was not maybe the ideal spot to throw him in. I still thought he performed moderately well. Well, guess what? Here come the Jags. Throw him in against the Jags, right? Perfect soft landing that everybody's been looking for. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right now, the Rams, I believe, are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to be honest with everybody right now. I ran to DraftKings when I saw that and placed my bet on the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win by a billion. Uh, Very well may. I mean, the Niners were favorites last week, if that tells you anything about betting. (laughs) Um, But I do have one thing. I know we're going long on time here with the Juice interview and all that, but there's one thing that I saw right before we hit air, and I don't know if you saw it. I'm kind of hoping you didn't so I can get your honest, quick response to it. But Grant Cohn pulled something from the Wayback Machine, an article with a little segment in it that I was unaware of. And reading that raises my eyebrows of what the, what the heck does that? What is that? Who does that? Like, how? And if you haven't seen it, it's a little thing from a long, long time ago. I think the article he found was like 2008 talking years and you know years in the future about what had happened in 2004 coaching search and the reason why something that long ago is relevant is because what it was was jed york and his buddy who is really good with numbers who we all know and love because of what he's done with player contracts parag is who he's talking about but the two of them got together and for a head coach somehow came up with a point scale system whatever you want to call it and put the head coaches into it. And due to this graph that they created, they determined Mike Nolan would be much more valuable than Mike Holmgren as a hire and submitted it to, at that time, Jed wasn't the decision maker. So submitted it to his parents and they pulled the trigger on hiring Mike Nolan due to it. It's relevant because those are still the two people in charge. Yeah, I saw it. I saw that Jed said he thinks Parag could be a GM one day. Like, honestly... I don't know that Parag could be a worse GM than John Lynch, but I just, I can't worry about that right now. I cannot worry about that right now. That That's not the part. Like I, Parag is not going to be the GM of the team. I would be shocked, put it that way. What he spends most of his time, and a lot of Niner fans might not know this, but the 49ers own and are wanting to own a majority stake in Leeds United, which is a English Premier League soccer or football team um <laughs> uh, did you feel that was necessary to throw that in yes i i, I played soccer so everybody always <laughs> does that um <laughs> uh but parag is the point man for that he yes. spends a lot of time in england for that there is a reality show that follows that team uh followed him for a couple of years i've watched those seasons and parag is in it for a few episodes because he is the one that is the niners rep overseas and i think the niners goal they have made it a a public thing they have stated they want to be the majority owners and it's just them convincing the italian dude who owns leeds united now to sell them more and they've been slowly buying up more and more like their percentage has been going up in terms of their ownership and I think their goal is is once they get a majority ownership, Parag will essentially be the GM of an English Premier League team that the Niners own. That's fine. Great. Congratulations. Go for it. I'm I know. I'm just saying I, I would be shocked if they changed course because if he co- if he becomes the GM of the 49ers, he cannot do anything with that Premier yeah, League because no, he doesn't have time for it. So yeah, let him be the GM of the football team and not the football team, <laughs> as you have said earlier in this show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. We remind you and implore you, please, again, if you haven't done so, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you follow us, great. Steal your wife's phone, steal your boyfriend's phone, steal your girlfriend's phone, steal your spouse's phone. Whoever you're with, if they got a phone that you can leave a rating and a review on, take it. And do it. And I'll just say this. If you insult Rob in the re- review, he does have to read it on air. That as long true. as it can be read on air. So you got to keep it a little <laughs> PC there. But you can insult him and I'll make him read it. 
That's true. I will read. I read the good and the bad ones, Levin, I swear. I don't always read the bad ones on this show, but I promise you they are read on the air. I read them all. I really do. And they they mean a lot to me. I take your feedback seriously. And uh, so please let us know. Give us your thoughts and feelings. Levin, you have a good week. Uh, I won't talk to you on Sunday because the 49ers don't play on Sunday. So I'm going to have to wait an extra day to talk to you on Monday after the game. Uh, no, you'll have to wait longer than that because I will be busy. Oh, I work. Well, excuse me. I work me. my day job, or in this case, I will be on night shift, so I will be at work during the game. If you don't know, Levin is the Homer Simpson of a nuclear power plant, so just think about <laughs> well, that. Not nuclear, when you, but... When your head hits the pillow. Natural gas plant. That doesn't reassure me that much. That's the thing. Well, I mean, unless you're in the blast radius of the plant. <laughs> so unless you live in, like, the northwest area of pittsburgh you don't have anything to be scared of whereas if it was a nuclear power plant i can destroy the world depending on <laughs> how bad i mess up so yeah that's true all right so sorry sorry pennsylvania residents i guess you're the ones that really have to be nervous about that enjoy your week everybody we will talk to you after the game on monday night <laughs>